Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Hello world, it's World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We love taking you around the globe, one queer story at a time. I'm joined at the Victorian Pride Centre here by Alex. Evening. And Andrew is back here tonight and my name is Matt. Hello. The FIFA World Cup is soccer's greatest tournament. It is the Olympics of the football world. Right now, for the first time, the tournament is being held in the Arab world. But rather than celebration, from the very first announcement of Qatar as the host country, the event has been shrouded in controversy. But the efforts of the Qatari government to paint a rosy picture of their country has been overshadowed. Human rights complaints, labour abuses and a horrific record on LGBT rights have all been stories the government would rather the world did not see. And the first Qatari to declare himself openly gay via the media is one of those determined to raise the issue of Qatar's shocking LGBT record. That man, Dr Nasser Mohammed, or Nas as he prefers to be called, tells his story tonight. Here's a taste of what's coming up. I'll tell you something. The hate is from the conservatives everywhere. Everywhere. Literally. All countries. I mean... Wow. <laughs> LGBT people are universally hated, unfortunately. We are a minority after all, right? It's like interesting how everybody in different country has their own twist on why being an LGBT person is a threat. <laughs> and it's just tragic. They all dehumanize us for different reasons. We're talking all things Qatar tonight and the FIFA World Cup. Will you be watching? Will you be supporting the Aussies? Maybe you just drop in for the Aussies uh, games and not watch the rest. Maybe you're a fan, you're going to watch every game. Or will you boycott? Or maybe you just don't give a rat's. Qatar is one of only a handful of countries that still retains the death penalty for same-gender sexual acts. Pleasingly, there are no known cases of where this has been applied. But that is about where the good news ends. Being gay can still land you in prison, mean the loss of family and friends, attempted conversion practices or even family honour killings. Therefore, it is not really a surprise that no one has publicly declared their homosexuality in the media. Until now. Dr Nasser Mohammed used the international profile of the FIFA World Cup to come out. He started by telling us about his journey to being publicly out in Qatar. My name is um, Dr. Nas Mohammed. I am a physician living in the United States in San Francisco. 
I am also an LGBT asylum seeker from Qatar. I've been living in the United States for 11 years now. Leading up to the current FIFA World Cup, it was just very striking that our voice as the local LGBT community was completely lacking. Uh, we didn't even have an LGBT organization that really could accurately represent us and our voice. The current narrative that was largely painted through the PR and marketing lens for the World Cup was a fairly dangerous narrative for the LGBT community for that narrative to be the only public narrative. So in May of this year, I came out on BBC News, English and Arabic, and just been helping bridge that gap. And what is life like for someone who is a part of the LGBT community or identifies as LGBT in Qatar? Well, the thing to note here is that, you know, we are under an authoritative regime for our government structure. So being an LGBT person or not, just um, deviating from the standards that are set is not acceptable. So being an LGBT person on top of that is exceptionally challenging. And the legal constitution in its language allows up to the death penalty. Uh, it's not exercised in Qatar, but up to that is allowed legally. So it really allows a whole a lot of room for abuse. Families can punish their LGBT children. Some of these can result in honor killings. There are state-sponsored conversion practices. I don't want to call them therapy because they're not therapy. They do the opposite to the mental well-being of the LGBT community. And there is a sect of the law enforcement called the Preventive Security Department that, that reports to the Ministry of Interior in Qatar that hunts LGBT people. They go after them systematically. They target transgender women and femme-expressing men, mostly. These groups are persecuted the most, and they are sub subjected to prison time and physical punishment. And they're kept in, in prison for days to months, to weeks to months even, depending on the case. Some really didn't even engage in any sexual activity. Some were punished strictly based on their gender expression. And I'm working with the Human Rights Watch now to issue uh, a prelim report with them because having our press release, because a full report takes time to prepare through a researcher. But I have arranged for some interviews with survivors with the Human Rights Watch to get a report out. And that is also part of the thing that has been lacking for us. There is no official country conditions report but about what happens to the LGBT community in Qatar. Some people know of some that manage to find a system and they're kind of okay. And some are severely abused and are alone. And to the individuals living there, weighing the risk and benefits of speaking up versus remaining silent, always been skewed towards remaining silent because there is a lot to lose. Okay, well, do you want to tell me about the criticism of the World Cup, of having it in Qatar? Yeah, so, like, the criticism I have, which I think I share with a lot of people, is that powerful, popular 
platforms, including sports, fashion, music, are being used by authoritative regimes for reputation laundering, also known as sports washing. And what's happening right now with the 22 FIFA Soccer World Cup is that that's what's happening. The platform and the sport is being used to introduce Qatar to the world in a very calculated PR curated way without accurately reflecting on all the issues that Qatar needs to be working on. And, you know, I'm specifically right now addressing the face of this World Cup, David Beckham, who was paid by my government to be the PR face for it. I think what he's doing is very dangerous and it has direct implication on our rights in Qatar as an LGBT community and can really affect our ability to successfully get out. If I remained silent, I think this would have been absolutely tragic this year. But luckily, we've been building some momentum. Um, I did publish an open letter to David Beckham in the British media recently. Unfortunately, his response was blocking me on Instagram, which I then went to the Metro newspaper and talked about, and then he unblocked me which I hope means we're going to be having a conversation soon. Probably not. But whether he speaks up or not, the point is made. Somebody like David Beckham, who, let's be honest, is not going to be thrown in jail for speaking up about LGBT rights in Qatar, is still unable to speak. He's there. He's silent. He can, would cost him some money maybe, but he's choosing not to or cannot and if somebody like him can show up in Qatar and can't or won't speak on LGBT issues, just think of the average LGBT person there with no resources, that doesn't speak English, that doesn't have translatable skill set to leave, to pick pack their stuff and leave the country. What help can they get? Like, what can they do? What's within their power? They would be crushed. That's Qatar's first man to publicly declare himself gay in the media, Dr Nasser Mohammed, with us on Joy 94.9. Image laundering, fair cop? Absolutely, in my opinion. There's there's really been, ever since this was first announced, um, there's been a stench around it, hasn't there, about corruption, about the amount of money and, uh, you know, were they really a deserving bid to host? Yeah, and because we're not really focusing so much tonight on the other accusations of, um, you know, general, um, the treatment of the workers, um, which is a real issue Mm. throughout the Gulf Gulf States and women. So, you know, um, while our focus tonight is on on the, the fate of LGBTI, um, community members but you know there's a bigger story here as you say the whole thing has a stench mm. i want to come back to the david beckham one because yes. i don't know if you've seen that there's a comedian that's no. gone after him and yes. uh, we'll update you on that as well coming up uh, we'll find out the risks for gay players at the fifa world cup in qatar this is worldwide wave love radio joy is now on iheart radio take us with you anywhere Hi, I am Tim. And I'm Ben. From Helen, Melbourne. And you are listening to the World Wide Wave on Joy 94.9.
We want the LGBT community in Qatar to be the winners out of this uh, uh, FIFA World Cup that's currently being hosted there. We exactly. put the call out to you as to whether you would be watching or boycotting or you just don't care. Um, we've had a message. Uh, a, brev- a very brave man, a tragedy taking place with Qatar's smoke screening with its staged performers. It's diabolical. Mm. Um, yeah, the staged performers. So David Beckham has been put front and centre as the ambassador and uh, comedian Joe Lysett, a, a, a um, English comedian um, challenged David Beckham because he's previously come out as, you know, being supportive of the LGBT community. And uh, he basically said, look, David Beckham, speak to me about what's going on, you know, renounce this or I'll shred 10,000 pounds. And then on via Twitter, he shredded a whole lot of money. And then he's uh, since come out and said, actually... I'd already donated that money to a, a, an LGBT charity, um, but I wanted to raise the issue and, and, you know, you should come, you know, speak up. So I don't mm. think David Beckham has done terribly well out of this at all either. No. You never hear him speak ever. And in the lead-up to the FIFA World Cup in Qatar, the Australian team, the Socceroos, publicly released a video. It featured 16 players and they together specifically called for immediate support for migrant workers and the decriminalisation of homosexuality in Qatar. In doing that, they became the first national team to call out Qatar's terrible human rights record. Uh, There will, of course, be gay players at the tournament, although probably not out ones. Qatar's first man to publicly declare himself gay in the media, Dr. Nas Muhammad, knows all about hiding his sexuality for his own safety. We asked Nas if he felt any gay athletes who were playing at Qatar as part of the World Cup might have safety concerns themselves. Yes, I mean, I, I have connected to some of them. Some of them have reached out to me, some soccer players did, that are out. And I think we've been having good conversations. Some of them initially were worried about their own safety, which after having a little bit of a conversation, it really like their personal safety is not as much of a concern because a huge part of Qatar's persecution is that it's in the shadows. They wouldn't go and do anything publicly, not so publicly. And they definitely, I don't believe, would want to deal with a big PR scandal doing something during the World Cup, especially to a player. So in a way, a player is in a very safe space to speak up. But then some of the concerns that some of these players had were about how they would also be used to sports watch what's going on to us and help with that reputation laundering. And that's part of the messaging I've been trying to shift when people are talking about LGBT rights around this World Cup. I really wanted to be inclusive of everyone that's LGBT, including us in Qatar, you know, and Qatar's messaging is is even further isolating to the local LGBT community. They would come in and be like, you're welcome to come here. We wouldn't touch you even. You can like, you can show up for 28 days and maybe be gay and nobody's going to come after you. But then you need to respect our culture is the big qualifier that they add. And what does that even mean, right? I think part of it means you need to not help people like me, basically, or speak for us. And what would you like athletes to be doing to help? Right now, I want people to bring visibility and to really show solidarity 
frankly, right? Like, I feel like at home, we're fighting being dehumanized because we're LGBT people. And then across our border, we are fighting being dehumanized because we're Arab and from that background. And that's something I really hope to bridge. We're, we're humans with human stories and struggles. And I would just really love for everyone to just have that level of compassion for us as well that they have for their own when they show up and speak for LGBT rights. Is there anything that fans, like the football fans, people who are going to be watching this, that they can do to kind of help? Yeah, so for the average fan, I worry more about their individual safety going in. So for the average person, if they have decided to go to Qatar, then I would advise them at this point to avoid confrontational visibility. Um, it's like not the right battle to take on and it has very low yield. I think the ones that should take that battle are the teams and players and FIFA, like people that are in positions to do that. But for the average fund, there are ways to show support still and say that you care. I have a petition called Love is Not a Crime. It's in few languages. And I announced it for Pride Month this year. And my goal was to get more signatures on that petition that says love is not a crime and show it to the local LGBT community. And I'm hoping to get more signatures than there are LGBT people in Qatar. I estimate that there are about 300,000 of us roughly based on, you know, statistics from other communities and uh, population-based studies. And right now, I think I'm at 70,000 signatures. So I'm hopeful that I would hit maybe or maybe pass that goal. But we're doing a lot of things right now to try to um, bring support and help influence change even beyond the World Cup. But the petition, besides bringing awareness, it really just is there to give a sense of hope, you know, like, because at the end of the day, when everybody goes home after the competition and the cameras look away and the press interest fades, the individuals living there still have to navigate all the layers of being an LGBT person that's living there. And the path for individual people will look different and it's going to really be a factor of their resources and their willingness and their stamina and a sense of hope can really be powerful for the individuals so that's what i'm really would love to tell people this year just say that even though they're not in front of you like i am i'm speaking for us and they would love to be seen and acknowledged and know that outside the authoritative control over them there is love and acceptance did you find it hard to leave Qatar? I mean, I know that you left because, you know, you're a doctor and, you know, you were coming to terms with your sexuality. You knew you weren't going to be able to come out in Qatar. Was that hard to leave your home, even if yeah. it was a hard place to live? Yes, it really was. Like, it's like a huge part of my identity. Like, I felt like, even though I came out, I've been locally out as gay, like since 2011, but not like this level of out. But I just didn't really share my background with people. I didn't share uh, what I grew up with. I didn't share my journey. And then I just felt a little detached in a way because I just really 
lost a huge part of my identity. So that that was hard. But just saying goodbye was still tough. You know, like I lost a lot of a lot of things. I lost besides my cultural upbringing, traditions, and things like that. I also lost my family. I lost a lot of friendships, and you know, went through my stages of grief with that. Um, and I'm here today, and I'm grateful and and happy and accept the cards I was dealt. But it was very hard. Speaking from the safety of the USA, that's Dr. Naz Mohammed, Qatar's first publicly out gay man, with us on Joy 94.9. I wonder what he means specifically when he says he's lost his family. Does that mean they've rejected him? Yes. Or he's just... Oh, they have. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he said, um, and it might be coming up actually, uh, that he hasn't had contact with them for, for some years, pretty much since coming out. Oh, I see. I was wondering if there would be repercussions for his family, but I suspect not. I think that is that one case. of those things, though, that is, um, it, um, you know, it's put on the person who's, who's having mm. the difficulties that you'll be destroying our family by oh, doing this as well. So, you know, it's yeah. another one of those yeah. guilt things. So often the families probably make a preemptive, you know, um, casting away of their, of their, their so-called loved ones. Yes, so-called mm. loved ones. In you know to show society that they reject and don't don't stand behind their children's choices, so to speak, or their family members' choices. Horrible. Naz yeah. is calling. He was calling that he thinks that it should be the teams, the players, and FIFA making a stand. Now we've certainly seen mm. examples of the teams and the players. Yeah. At least very trying to make a stand. Um, the English, and it, the Australian you know. team, the English team wanted to wear armbands, and they were told in no uncertain terms mm-hmm. they couldn't. So FIFA really seems to be the, you know, the blocker on this. Mm. They're trying to depoliticise everything when everybody else is trying the reverse. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw the um, the head of FIFA. Um, tried to sort of launch an attack on people who, sorry, um, tried to argue with people who were attacking. The, the games and he's saying you know today I feel gay today I feel a migrant worker today you know it was it's very clunky it was I don't very know odd I would and have to say. he was trying and then he was using um, tired old arguments about the West shouldn't preach to other nations about the human rights record so it's what's not you know it's like we're all trying to raise human rights standards across the world it's just he's falling into that trap of trying to see this uh, you know it's just what the countries like Qatar want to happen you know um i think one of the questions is as was raised in that segment was what would the lasting impacts be mm-hmm. so will there this will this all just be is just this week's topic and then the world's attention once the games are over well we get um, a hint of that in know. a minute because naz is going to tell us what his plans and hopes for the lgbt community in qatar are yeah you're on worldwide wave our diverse communities have one home joy founder of the first LGBT magazine in Jordan and one of the first in the New region. Speaking from Jordan on the World Wide Web. You're on the show that takes you around the globe one queer story at a time, Worldwide Wave. A special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash Worldwide Wave or on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave us a review. From coming out to reaching out, fighting for change or battling to be heard. These are the stories of the diverse rainbow community from across the globe. 
Coming to you from Australia's LGBTIQ radio station, Joy. We're talking all things Qatar and the FIFA World Cup tonight. So many members of the LGBTIQ community have a story to tell. In fact, sharing our coming out stories is almost a rite of passage, something that connects us. Some are joyous, others not so much. But if you are in a country with a history of repressing LGBT rights, it's a whole different ballgame, pun intended. Dr Nas Mohammed used the media and the media spotlight provided by the FIFA World Cup to publicly come out. We asked Nas if, uh, what it was like being the first Qatari to publicly come out as a gay man in the mainstream media. So this has been a storm I wasn't quite ready for, to be quite honest. Like, I didn't expect all of the things that happened to successfully happen. But coming out, it's just such an important thing for us as an LGBT community everywhere, like, and including us in Qatar. Like, I think this coming out moment is really important for us. And it connected me, first of all, to the larger LGBT community in Qatar. So even individuals that have literally nobody else that knows about them as LGBT people in Qatar that are not connected to small circles were able to find me and reach out to me. And I was able to connect some of them to researchers and human rights organizations to issue reports. So hopefully some of these will come out. But then also organizations like uh, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and the International Lesbian and Gay Association, the people that have been trying to really negotiate and discuss LGBT rights in the region reached out because there hasn't been a person that has come out before. And then, of course, I'm getting all the hate. And then the hate is from, I'll, have, I'll tell you something, the hate is from the conservatives everywhere, everywhere, literally, all countries. I mean, wow. <laughs> LGBT people are universally hated, unfortunately. We are a minority after all, right? It's like interesting how everybody in different country has their own twist on why being an LGBT person is a threat. <laughs> and it's just tragic. They all dehumanize us for different reasons, right? So a lot of it was religious based. So Muslims and Christians attacked me the most, but then they were like straight up xenophobic attacks, like from people that said all Arabs should be dead. It doesn't matter if I'm getting straight. And then and then there were attacks from, quote-unquote, um, society and family value organizations, and those were all over, you know, in Europe, UK, and the US, that also thought that I'm disrupting the family image. And I don't know. They found some, like, bizarre logic to find me on the internet. And you said that a lot of the, like, mistreatment and punishment of LGBT people in Qatar is done kind of in the shadows. Yes. And I was just wondering if that, if you mean by that, that like day to day, it's kind of hard to see if you're living in Qatar. Very palpable. Like you, like, you know, knowing the LGBT people in Qatar and seeing them day to day, they are actively hiding the fact that they're LGBT. And if you had an LGBT Qatari, for example, and you're within a Qatar, they must hide that. Like they can't show it in a way. It can be found out if you wish. The persecution that I said happens in the shadow, I'm saying the arrests. So when they arrest an LGBT person, their arrests are not public. 
they lure them to places that are more private, without cameras, without people, and then take them from there to prison, and then threaten them with more violence if they speak up after that happens. And that's been going on for a really long time in Qatar. Is there pretty clear messaging, like outright messaging from the leaders that being LGBT is wrong? Um, right now, they have internal messaging and external messaging, and they are not the same. Like internally in Qatar, they're still talking about protecting the society from us. And then externally, they come up and say gay fans are welcome, which is driving me crazy. Is there something that gives you hope about this situation? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> yes. I got connected to a lot of people globally this year. And one thing that has still in its very early stages, but just earlier today, actually, before we fell, I learned that my nonprofit organization is now registered with the state of California. So this will be the first LGBT nonprofit organization that will be representing the voices of the LGBT community in the Gulf region. And I'm working with different international LGBT organizations and advocacy organizations to really strategize about how to support the local community in and outside of Qatar, the LGBT community, but also work on bringing true, authentic visibility to the living conditions of the gay community in these countries without the filter of the government so that there is true visibility and real conversations about change can take place. And then I'm exploring also having an advocacy arm to look towards it. It's all super new, but that's that gives me hope because what I'm doing right now is really transitioning from a one-man show an effort of one person to an organization with a mission statement that can continue. And is there anything that you think is the next step for LGBT people in Qatar to kind of change what's happening? I mean, that's a tough question. So for them themselves, like what I'm telling them right now in, in the local community is to use my platform. So I'm telling them, my platform is yours. If you can be anonymous. You have nothing to lose. You have information. Give me that information and let me speak up on your behalf. And a lot of them have, but a lot of them haven't yet. There is a lot of you know fear and skeptic view on what can change. But if you do nothing, then nothing is going to change. Silence is not going to bring change. Speaking up, me and um, i'm willing to take that chance thank you for talking to me today absolutely thank you for having me and for discussing the topic dr naz mohammed uh from qatar the first out gay qatari to come out publicly in the media very brave guy and mm. the fact that he's uh he wants to use this like being his visibility mm. to help give visibility to others to yeah. help you know <clears throat> Give them a voice. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean his last his last line or two there, he's willing to take that risk, and it's you know, um, in a way that says everything about what, why we need to use these events. You know, our community and other groups such as migrant workers in the Gulf states. You know, they can't afford just to people just won't 
the issues are invisible or the mainstream community doesn't see it or want to see it. Um, and so I just think the whole argument that sporting events should not be used as platforms, you know, which is often said about the Olympics in particular, mm. I just think, sorry, you know, these are human lives, people suffering. Absolutely. And, you know, it's... And um, it's sport and culture that, yeah. like, it, it's it's not... Um, um, uh, latent political things it's, it's no. society and culture issues yeah. that are being raised and and wanting to be talked about and look about. how these the english team the australian team they wouldn't they would not have taken these positions 10 years ago true i true. mean you know um we didn't even have any out you know um football players both in europe really mm. as far as i know 10 years ago i mean afl's still struggling there's to, no, again, know, no, no, yeah, no publicly yeah. out players, so, but we know there know, are. We've now moved on in at least Australia in um, the football soccer world, I mm, mean. Mm. Um, but, you know, so, you know, sport has a real power, you know. Now, Naz mentioned he's got a petition that uh, he's pushing for 300,000 signatures. We've just posted that link on our Facebook page, so uh, mm. you can either search it or go to joy or uh, sorry, go to World Wide Wave on Facebook or search the shortcut W3Joy on Facebook and you'll be able to sign up for that petition. We'd love to get 50,000 Australians to sign up to that one as well. Absolutely. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. This is Hussein Alizadeh covering the Middle East for the International Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission on the World Wide Wave. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like World Wide Wave on Facebook now. A huge thank you to Dr. Nasser Mohammed. You can find him and his foundation on Instagram at dr.nas, N-A-S-S, and his petition we placed on our um, Facebook page, W3Joy. And thank you to people who interacted with us on Facebook, Stephen, Amy, Jennifer, Hofla, and a heap more joined us at Facebook, uh, W3Joy on Facebook. And behind the scenes, our podcaster, Peter, who does a sensational job, and social media master, Dean. We'll catch you next week on World Wide Wave. Ciao. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.